Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find teachings, sermons, discussions, and additional content all related to what's going on here at Trinity. Trinity Galewood is located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago, and we meet Sundays bi-weekly at 10.30 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. All right, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for all that you do. And God, I pray uh, today as we dive into your word again, as we see your presence in this world, I ask God that your spirit would lead and guide us. Uh, and may we see, maybe in a new way, or maybe in a very old way, how you are continuing to fight for us. May we join you in that mission, but may we ultimately see how you, Lord, are fighting for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So uh, before I uh, was a pastor, I had a, a job working with high school and middle school kids. I was working at a church and uh, teaching them some of the foundations of the faith and, and such things like that. And one of the really interesting parts of that job, and quite frankly, one of the interesting parts of me being a pastor and standing up in front of you guys every week, is that it always amazes me the things that I say that you remember, and also the things that I say that you guys seem to forget often. <laughs> and so... Um, when I was at my first church, I was working with a group of high school kids, and we were sharing this, uh, this lesson on fear. And in the midst of talking about fear, the, the scariest uh, movie that I had ever seen, and when I was a little kid, it terrified me, and I don't even want to look at it, was this guy right here. <laughs> Anybody with me on this? You can say amen to that, all right? Old Chucky. All right, and, and to this day, like when I look at Chucky, like there is something that just like creeps me out about him, all right? Fast forward months, like nine months later, we uh, came up with this idea that we were gonna have an event at the church and, and I wanted to kind of show the kids the freedoms that we have here in America and, and how in other parts of the world you are persecuted for your faith. And so we had a guy at our church who had this big old box truck and we borrowed it for that night. I did this like little teaching and we blindfolded the kids. And then we came downstairs into the basement where they were. We put their hands behind their back and we said, you're coming with us. And then on the back of the box truck was this like lift gate, right? And so we lowered it down really slow, put the kids like one by one in the back of the box truck. Yeah, I know, this is really stupid. I can't believe I got away with this, right? And we took them away to this un, like the space, it was a farm that somebody owned and we're like, had these like games and stuff like that going on. And, and the night I thought was going great, like the point was driven, everything was good. Well, it was about like one o'clock in the morning and uh, one of the parents comes up to me and says, uh, Dave, we got a huge problem. I was like, all right, well, what's, what's going on? I think one of the kids is missing. We don't know where they are. It's like, all right, all right so let's, uh, 
what, what are we going to do? Are we going to call some parents? Should we call the police? What? He's like, this lady goes, no, actually, how about this? I'll go out that way. You go over to the barn. So I, like, run over to the barn. I'm super anxious and nervous, everything, right? And I open up the barn door. And standing there <laughs> is this doll. <laughs> with about 10 candles lit around it. And I came up to that doll and I punted it across the barn and, w and I came marching inside and I was just like, I was mad. I was just so angry, upset, right? And there's like 10 people there and they're just laughing, like having a good time. And, and I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. One of the kids looks at me and he says this, justice is served. <laughs> And, and as I heard that phrase, I'm like, justice is about to be served, bro. I'm calling your parents, right? Like, like really? Justice being served. It's kind of interesting. When I, when I hear this word justice in our culture, I think of justice being more like um, retaliation. It's getting back what what was done to me or, or what I like what I deserve or earn. And justice is a, a big word that we use in our society, one that's seen all the time today. We talk about justice being like when we're in the grocery line and then the lane like opens next to us and that person, two people behind us, moves over to that lane to get in front of you, right? And you're like, how dare they try to cut in front of me? But then the cash register takes a little bit longer and you know you eventually get through and you're like justice is served, right? Or or the fact that like justice is when somebody who was robbed of something like gets back what was theirs. They earned that. Or or justice is seen when somebody like does a horrible offense and then we send them away for a long time because of the thing that they have done. Justice is a huge word. But, but I would like to offer today that justice has to be more than retaliation. Because, because retaliation doesn't fully grasp what justice really is. In fact, I don't know if you saw it, but this last week, Time Magazine came out with uh, their latest edition, and the cover page was this. Uh, when the world moves on and you don't. And it was in that uh, story, it was a story of a group of parents that no parent would ever want to be a part of. What unified these parents was each of these parents that are pictured here all have a child who was killed in a mass shooting in the United States of America. It's a gut-wrenching article in Time Magazine talking about how these parents have formed this bond and unity and how that like days after this whole thing happens, when your kid is missing, that there are cameras in your face all the time. But as the days go on, people just seem to disappear. And what was fascinating about the article is that they talked about how even in this collective club of people, there is disagreement on, 
on what gun reform should look like and who has the right to have weapons and what would have been the best way to secure that this would never happen. There's disagreement amongst that group. But all of them would agree that justice needs to be served and that retaliation can't bring back their own child. So justice has to be more than just simply retaliation. Today, we're continuing this series uh, entitled Before Bethlehem. And in that, it's during the season of Advent that we are looking at these stories of the Old Testament and where we see God showing up. And because we have this thought, maybe you've had this thought before, that that, okay, well, God doesn't really show up until Jesus is born. Well, it's not true. God was present in the Old Testament. He was coming into this world. In fact, um, the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. And that Jesus is the ultimate example of this. And so it's in the season that, that we are reminded of how, how God is present in this place. Remember last week we talked about that that very thing, God is present. We described him as the word, looking at John chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 1, that he's present in this world. And we're using this like uh, big word here known as a theophany, which is the appearance of God to a human. And and there are many times in the Bible where we see this happening over and over again, that, that God just seems to appear and show up and teach us something incredibly important. Last week, we discussed that Jesus is the ultimate example of showing what God has always done, that he's present in this place. And today, I get to use a much cooler thing because somebody just gave me this for Christmas. It's a sword, if you don't know. And, and today, what we're going to be talking about is how Jesus is not only just present, but that he is fighting for us. And to do that, I want to look at uh, the story here of Joshua. And you heard this in our scripture reading here today in Joshua chapter 5. But let's, um, let's give a little background here to who Joshua was. First off, we notice that, that God consistently in the scriptures says that he is fighting for us. In fact, he would even say oftentimes that vengeance is mine. That this is what God has shown us over and over again is that he is stepping in. He desires to fight for us in this battle. And in comes this guy named Joshua. Joshua is, um, is a leader in God's army. And, and if you don't know the timeline here, there's Moses, who uh, is the guy who brought the Ten Commandments. He led God's people out of slavery, the Exodus. Remember, he parts the Red Sea. It's this big moment. And then right after Moses is Joshua. Joshua is seen as like this right-hand man for Moses. He's the commander. He's a fighter. He's going out into the fields and fighting on God's behalf. But at the end of Moses' life, we read that Joshua is appointed 
He's seen as the next one to take over. And and Joshua's calling comes with these beautiful words. He's told to be strong and be courageous. And so Joshua's first task as leader is he is taking God's people into the promised land. They cross over the Jordan River. And as they do so, they bring this ark where God had promised to be. And when they cross over the river, the waters stop. Joshua says, this is such an important moment. I'm gonna take some stones from here to remind myself of God's faithfulness. And as they go into the next place, the promised land, Joshua knows that he's about to go and conquest a place called Jericho, a place with a history against God's people. But before that moment happens, there's something really important that Joshua learns that you and I need to see as well today. Look at it here in Joshua 5. It says this. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us? Or are you for our adversaries? I, I love this moment. I mean, just imagine. Joshua sees this guy who just appears, and he's holding a sword. And it's a pretty natural question to ask. Hey, dude, you on my side, or do we got to throw down right now? And it's just natural. This is supposed to happen. And the response of the man is, is, is beautiful. He says this, no. Huh? No. I am, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord, and now I have come. I, this must have been a moment for Joshua to say like, okay, hold on a second here, bro. Like, Understand something here. I just brought God's people, which by the way is a ton of people, into this land, and now you're saying you're the commander? Like, I'm the one in charge. I'm the one who's been given the calling. I'm the one that's in control here. I mean, this happened to me this last week, so it's fresh on my mind. I was over actually at Concordia University, and I saw somebody that I knew about 50 yards in front of me, and they started waving, and I started waving, and then I quickly noticed, she's not waving at me. <laughs> you ever had that happen before? Like somebody's behind you, and you just start to look, and you're like, oh, crap, that wasn't for me, right? Like, like Joshua's having that moment of like, hey, dude, you're forgetting about me. I'm the commander. But instead, this, this person shows up and says, no, listen, I'm the one that's in charge. I'm the one who's in control here. In fact, scholars would go on to say, Martin Luther would say this, that this actually is, is Jesus showing up and saying that I'm the one who's in charge of this army. And it's a challenge for us even in the midst of our lives, to, to let go of that control at times. We want to say like, no, I, I want to be the master of my own destiny. 
I want to like take control of everything that is going on in my life. I want the glory and the victories because I'm the one who's in charge. And I definitely desire for there to be justice for those who have wronged me, that I determine what that justice looks like for the pain that has been caused to me. But justice for the Christian looks different here. It's not one of just retaliation. And interestingly enough, even in this story, when you hear this of like, okay, Joshua realizes that he's not in control, does that mean like he just gets to like peace out? You're like, all right, well, that was a fun run. You know, like, I guess I'm gonna go retire, you know, go like hang out over on the side and just let God do his thing. No, not at all. Instead, God has a plan for Joshua in the midst of this as well. Notice here what this leads them to. That in this very next passage we read, And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped. And he said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. See, it's in this very moment that Joshua recognizes that as he relinquishes control, that leads him to not, to to do something, to worship, to acknowledge that God is in control, to say that I am your servant here. And and I love this, this place right here because we see that that God is showing that his plan of salvation is in work, is in effect. And that's why when we come here on a Sunday morning, we, we sing songs to God. And that might seem a little bit strange, but, but that's why we do it. Because we acknowledge that God, I'm your servant. What is it that you have me to do? And Joshua here is is doing this very thing, trusting in God's master plan. And this is important for us to see here because this phrase, I love this phrase, we need to understand that that God does not execute justice apart from his plan of salvation, but his plan of salvation always involves the execution of justice. See, God's plan of salvation is always linked and tied to justice for eternity and in this world as well. And so after this moment that Joshua has where he falls on his face and he worships, the man says that this is a holy space. This is a holy move. Take off your shoes. This is a good place to be. And then Joshua goes off to Jericho. And maybe you've heard the story before, but, but it's, it's a fun one. He goes off to Jericho by the command of God, and he takes all of God's people. And the instruction of the Lord is to circle the walls of Jericho and march around them for six days. Have you heard this story before? And they just walk around in a circle around the city walls. Once again, as a reminder of that this 
following God might look strange at times. And then on the seventh day, they make this loud noise and the walls come down. And God's people take over this land of Jericho, a land that had been promised to them for a long time. Justice had been served. A continuation of God's plan of salvation. But hold on a second. Might be thinking like, okay, cool story. It's great if you're Joshua. What about, what about the people of Jericho? Like, <laughs> doesn't seem so just for them. What about, what about that family today who is mourning the loss of their child? who's taken at the hands of some evil that exists in this world? What about that brat 16-year-old kid who had the Chucky doll in the barn for you, Pastor Dave? Don't worry, justice was served with him. No. What about those pieces? Okay, like... You talk about God being a God who fights for us and, and is just. It certainly seems like this God causes more problems, steps into places and like stirs things up. Or maybe in scenarios, he seems to step away because in the lives of these parents, of these kids who have been taken, it seems like God isn't present in those things. And if that's your question today, if you are bringing that to the table, I first want to begin by validating that that is an incredibly tough question and one that I affirm that is very messy and comes with all kinds of challenge. But I also would hope that you could see maybe a little bit today the way that I have seen this to come to be. Because here's a bit of a reality for me as a pastor, as a person, is that I'm willing to acknowledge that, that I have limitations. I can only see the world through the eyes that God has given me. I'm not going to be able to see it through the eyes of somebody else who is on the other side of the world. This has been the limitation that has been given to me. And as a person, I do desire to know why these things happen. And I will have my questions to God, not just with these scenarios, but with people that I love that I too have wondered, God, what are you doing? And I think that those first acknowledgments can be very important to understand that God desires for us to come with those whys, but come from the perspective of knowing our own limitation. And so if I can only see the world through my eyes and the experiences that I have gone through, then that leads me to a place of where I know that my perspective isn't the totality that I can't just lean on my own understanding. That when I think about the limitations that I have, that leads me to look outside of myself 
That leads me to look to someone who has seen all things. That leads me to a place of where I look to the one who has put all things together. That leads me to a place of putting trust in the one who says that I can conquer sin, death, and the devil. That even death is not the final stamp. That leads me to look outside of myself. And to one who says he has a plan of salvation even in the midst of death. And it's, it's because of that that when we come to the season of Christmas, a time where we look at the incarnation, this is God stomping into the world and saying that I am present, that I am here, that I'm not a God who just creates and steps away from it, but instead I'm a God who comes and dwells in it. I take on flesh here, but I don't just like pull this magic trick to say, hey, God is here. Instead, I come also to come into this world and live a perfect life, to die on a cross, to rise again from the dead, to establish that those who trust and believe in me and the justice that God brings will one day rise again from the dead as well. Because death is something that we cannot escape on our own. But God himself says, I have. And it's because of that that we look to our own limitation and we look outside of ourselves. And it's because of that that we see that Jesus is the ultimate example of showing what God has always done. That he fights and wins us back by his death and resurrection. That his justice is always tied to his plan of salvation. They go together because of that, we acknowledge that that plan of salvation is something that we hold on to when it comes to justice as well. So what does that mean for me? Does that mean I just kind of sit back and let God do his thing? Does that mean that it's like, all right, God, this is your thing. Like, I don't really have to worry about anything. Well, welcome to the moment of Joshua. Because this too leads us to a place of worship. And this leads us to a place of action. To going and doing things that might seem a little strange in this world. But it leads us into movement. I love how Paul writes it here in, in Romans. He says this. He says, speaking to a group of Christians in Rome, he says, for your obedience is known to all so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent to what is evil. It, look at that last phrase there. I love this. He says, I want you to be wise to what is good. Paul is instructing the people to notice and look and see what, what is good and to be wise in how you act. 
doing good in our world becomes really tricky. And can we at least admit that the fact that with all of the charities and things that are going on, that some manipulate good for their own. And so Paul is telling us to be wise to what is good. And I'm not saying that that means you only like give to Christian charities. That's not it at all. That there is good that is going on in this world, but we must be wise to what is it fighting for? Is it fighting for true justice? Is it tying things to the plan of salvation? Is it pointing to more than retaliation? An innocent to what is evil. To be careful of what we are involved in if it promotes evil in this place. As Paul continues to say here, this is a fascinating phrase, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. We do this out of grace. We do this because of what God has done for us. And we do it in a way that is one that shows God's mission out of compassion, not arrogance, out of love for our neighbor, Christian or not, because we have a responsibility to show that God is continuing to fight in this world and furthering his plan of salvation. This is what justice is in our world. And because of that, it would be foolish for us to just leave with, hey, cool thoughts, Pastor Dave. Really excited about some of these things that you're talking about. Go God. Today, the challenge is real for us. In the back, I don't know if you noticed when you came in, but uh, back there, you'll notice that there's a wall hanging with, uh, actually, I was informed about like 85, 84, I think is the exact number, uh, tasks, things that are furthering justice in this place around here. And, and I would challenge, I don't know how many people we have here today, but, but for each of you to take at least one to two of these things. They range from um, praying for some of our local businesses and our kids that come here for after-school programming to writing a Christmas card to somebody. There's some task of, of giving somebody a hug. And if you're not a hugger, I really suggest you get back there quick, all right? Because that one is probably going to be up there for a while. I don't know. But there's also... I was informed this week there are three kids in our neighborhood here who don't have a winter coat that go to school next door. That's wrong. And so we as a church have an opportunity to fight for justice, to further the plan of salvation. So today I want to offer to you, when we finish up here, to go back there and rip off one of the bottom pieces there and let us know what you can do to be a part of fighting for justice. Not because you're strong enough or because you need something more to do, but because God is fighting for you. 
And he continues to fight for justice in his plan of salvation as well.